The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. MLB show. Here are your hosts, the luckiest men on the face of the earth, Chase Fedorsky and Bryce Holden. Welcome to episode 188 of the Underdog Sports Baseball Show with Bryce Holden. My name is Chase Fedorsky, and it is the off season. The hot stove is burning. It's burning this weekend. It was 70 plus degrees in New York both days. Now it is cold. Oh. A frigid 55, we turned the heat on in the apartment, a big turn of events. Um, but for those of you who live under a rock, the Houston Astros are the World Series champions. They defeated the Phillies in six games. We will recap that and much more uh, about the World Series in general and to come. The White Sox, they found their new skipper in division, which is something I don't know if I've ever really seen before, especially given when a team has a managerial open and that team Passes over their own bench coach for him to go to another team. That was surprising. We got gold glove winners. We got some early free agency moves uh, in Flushing. And on top of it, we have our first Hall of Fame update of the offseason early this year. Uh, and it's a very explosive ballot. But before we get into all that, let's do our BovadaSportsbook.com pick of the week and look at the early World Series board for next year. Dodgers are favorites at plus 500. Uh, the second team and the American League favorite, Astros plus 600. Braves plus 800. Yanks plus 900. And Mets plus 1,000, rounding out the top five there. Obviously, it is so, so early. I mean, the offseason literally just started. The World Series ended a couple days ago. But is there anything that jumps out to you here as a good value if you want to get those World Series bets in early as soon as possible? Seattle Mariners plus 2,000. That's a team, young team, they've ended the playoff drought. Momentum swinging up, arrow points up. They'll get a, hopefully a full season at Julio Rodriguez, who should only get better in year two. And now that they tasted the postseason, knowing the Potos in that front office, they're a team that will make a move, will most likely be making a move, I should say. Uh, and those odds are probably going to go down. So I would get Seattle now before they go down. Keep scrolling if, like... I'm going to do a pick while I keep scrolling in the meantime. Uh, I don't think this team is going to win the World Series, but I think the Chicago White Sox at plus 3,000 is good value. Look, the Guardians this year were the, the class of the American League Central, um, but I think we could both agree. It, it was by no means smokes and mirror, mirrors, but it was a lot of putting the ball in play. It was a lot of defense first. It's I think that's a success that's very hard to sustain. Um, someone else is going to have to step up other than Jose. For the flip side from the White Sox... Jose's there. Ramirez. I'm saying somebody has to okay. step up outside of him. Um, again, I, eventually you do need some home runs to win. I think it's very hard to sustain the model success they had this year. And you even saw that against the Yankees, but in the division series. You look at this White Sox team, new skipper. You don't have to worry about you know the manager splitting the year. Um, and yes, it was a bad year for the White Sox. But there were some underlying positives. I, we're going to talk about the award finalists in, the, in a bit. Dylan Cease went from the four starter to... I would say is going to be the Cy Young runner-up. At worst, we know he's going to finish in third. He's a top three finalist. Who? I'm drawing a total blank. Andrew Vaughn emerges in the middle of the order bat. I think the biggest thing for the White Sox is if they come into next year with a clean bill of health, 
I still think they're the team I'm going to pick to win the Central. They still have Liam. They still Hend- have the best roster in the division. They still have Liam Hendricks locking it down. They picked up Tim Anderson's option. They're still going to have Tim Anderson. They're still going to have Luis Robert. They're still going to have uh, Eloy Jimenez. Still going to have Grandal, etc. I think the one thing for the White Sox that would give me pause is Jose Abreu who's likely going to go. And that's the leader. That's the heart and soul of that team. If Tim Anderson could step up and be that leader, I think anything could happen. I think it's a good value. And uh, one more team for fun. Don't if say it, the Angels. I'm going to say the Angels. Uh, the, but you know what? Let's uh, – I mean, you could – the Angels – you know what? I actually like the Rangers at plus 6,000 more than the Angels at plus 4,000. What do you think about the Twins there at plus 6,000? Pending, let's say, they re-sign Correa. Nah. The Twins aren't winning the World Series next year. I'm going to throw in a crazy, crazy one, too. And I only say this because I think they're about to have a huge offseason. Cubs plus 7,000. I think last year was the retooling year. You brought in some vets in Suzuki and Stroman. Uh, Hendricks is going to be back and healthy next year. I think they're going to spend some money. I think at a minimum they're going to get one of the big shortstops uh, out on the free agent market. And then who knows? I don't, I don't trust their pitching. I, it's just like, it, again, you look at that central. The Brewers pitching is good, but I, I could see them moving Corbin Burns because they just need so much offensively. I don't think they're going to give them big money. And the Cardinals were great this year. That lineup's going to be great, but you're losing Yachty. You're losing Pools, who was probably the third best bat on that team. Anything can happen in the Central. That's not a bad pick. And again, big market, so it helps. All of which is to say, let's focus on the current world champion, the Astros, uh, in the World Series. There's four games we're going to recap. Uh, we're going to start with World Series Game 3. Uh, so this game was rained out. Supposed to be on Monday night. Or excuse me, supposed to be two, supposed to be Monday or Tuesday. Supposed to be Monday. Supposed to be Monday, I rescheduled to Tuesday because they play Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, games yeah. three through five. Because I missed game five because of the concert. Um, so again, the Philly faithful, they were already ready to erupt. You know, again, first World Series game since 2009 when the Yankees played the Phillies. They had to wait an extra day. And boy, was it an unbelievable homecoming. Uh, Harper, Bohm, Brandon Marsh, Schwarber, and Reese Hoskins, all homer off of Lance McCullers. Ranger Suarez goes five scoreless. Uh, and the Astros t- and the Phillies beat the Astros 7 nothing to take a 2-1 lead in the World Series. Uh, Lance McCullough was ordinarily very stingy with the home runs. .73 home runs per nine innings was the 10th among pitchers with at least 150 uh, innings in 2021 and 2022. Instead, he became the first pitcher in World Series and postseason history to allow five home runs in a game. Uh, nine days after Harper sent the Phillies to the Fall Classic with the home run in the NLCS, he came up with a runner on in the first and connected on the first pitch he saw uh, for a home run in his first home run World Series game. He then called the Bohm, who was now on deck, gave him some advice, and then Bohm let off the second inning, and he smacked the first pitch sinker uh, to make it 3-0, which was the 1,000th home run in World Series history. Two outs later, uh, Brandon Marsh lifted a high fly ball to right that came into contact with the glove of a fan in the stands. Bantz atop, uh, went over the wall, uh, fell into the glove of Kyle Tucker. There was a momentary pause. But replay upheld the home run to make it 4-0. Uh, Dusty Baker kept riding McCullers, and the Phillies kept riding him as well. With one out in the fish, Schwarber hit a changeup high and deep to dead center, pelting the batter's eye greenery. Hoskins made it back-to-back, uh, and mercifully, Dusty gave McCullers the hook 
at that point. You know, there was discussions that McCullers may have been tipping his pitches. Uh, and to his credit, he took this in stride. He said, I think guys have conversations all the time before at bats, before innings, and things like that. I'm not going to sit here and say anything like that. I got whipped. End of story. Uh, he had given up four, four home runs in 58 and two-thirds innings this season uh, in the playoffs and regular season combined prior to that. Uh, and all told, the Phillies set a World Series record with five home runs totaling 1,900 50 feet of homers. Uh, before we talk about Ranger Suarez, a Phillies pitcher, let's talk about McCullers here. Do you think he was tipping his pitchers, or do you think the Phillies just had him? And what did you make of Dusty? You hate to say that he hung his pitcher out to dry, but watching him out there early on, it was just very evident McCullers didn't have it. I know there's something to be said about saving your bullpen in the series, but this isn't just some Joe Schmo. This is the guy who has won you many serious clinching games before. I mean, he was probably tipping a little. He just didn't have it. Like more importantly, tipping it, he was off. And with the the dusty thing was the discussion point after this game, along with the tipping pitches. You say young, I don't think he hung him out to dry long enough. I I, had a, I didn't like what Dusty did this game. When your guy doesn't have it, you either pull him immediately or you hang him out to dry. You don't let him go fi- like a halfway. Because you're gonna lose if you're gonna lose the game, you don't want to expend any extra bullpen arms. This was to me, and I think he eventually did end up going with him late. But after it was three nothing or four, after the Marshall one, honestly, you don't want to get, see McCullers get embarrassed. You go to Jose Urquidy there. It's similar to how Boone didn't go to Herman early enough. Get Urquidy in there, let him get his length. You know, at that point, he's gonna go a couple innings, and not be available anyway, um, and just I don't know, allow McCullers to save face a little bit. I, I mean. In the World Series, you don't care about your pitcher saving face. This was his last outing of the season, no matter what. And on the Philly side of things, the rainout really benefited them. Uh, Noah Syndergaard was going to pitch Game 3 originally, but because of the rainout, Ranger Suarez was able to pitch on uh, regular rest. And only in two of the five innings, Suarez pitched the Astros at base runners. Both times they put two aboard with two outs, but he calmly got the third out both times. Five scoreless innings. Um, And if there's one takeaway from the Phillies' postseason Obviously, Wheeler and Nola are the aces, and this team, even next year, is going to go as far as that. those two bring them pitching-wise, but they have a more than capable number three who could come up in a big spot like Ranger Suarez. I'll give our podcast. We were very early on the Ranger Suarez thing. We were, we were early adopters of Ranger Suarez. Good for us. So I'll ask you this. Had this gone to Game 7, say the Phillies forced Game 7, and it would have been Suarez versus McCullers again in all likelihood. It would have been in Houston. What do you think the Bavada line would have been like for that game, given that Suarez, for the most part, you know, outside of that one early start against Atlanta where he was fine, um, he was pretty dominant the next last two rounds. You're probably looking at Houston minus 140. 140. You just hope McCullers bounces back at all. You just say, look, this is the home team. Home team, better team, game seven. So game four, um, the Astros were probably as dejected as you could be. I mean, they got the shit kicked out of them, Game 3 in Philly. Um, and then Game 4, you know what they did? They pr- truly proved the expression, shake it off and step it up. Um, and Christian Javier, for the second time this year, was part of a combined no-hitter. Uh, he no-hit the Phillies for six innings with his invisible fastball and sweeping slider. And he combined with three other relief pitchers to throw the second no-hitter in the history of the World Series, a 5 nothing win over the Phillies. Javier's parents were in attendance to witness the his, uh the history. It was the first time his father had seen a pitch at the major league level. Uh, prior to the game, they told him that he would throw a no-hitter. I want to start with this. We talked about the same thing happening with Framber Valdez uh, in the ALCS against the Yankees. If you're the Astros, 
if you have any other players whose parents haven't been to games, make sure to save it for the biggest stage possible. Because clearly these guys, once their family's in the crowd watching them, they take it to a whole other level we didn't know was possible. We knew this was possible for us. That's true. Unfortunately, we know better than most. Yeah. Javier struck out nine, walked two through 97 pitches uh, through six, and then uh, Brian Abreu, Rafael Montero, Ryan Presley, they combined for the first no-hitter in the World Series since Don Larson's perfect game in 1956. June 25th, as I said, Javier threw seven scoreless innings in a combined no-hitter against the Yankees. Uh, he threw his fastball 70 times and his slider 25 times while mixing in two curves. Harper said the 92-mile-per-hour fastball looked like it was 97. Uh, the key sequence in the game came in the fourth when he struck out Rio Muto, Harper, and Castellanos, all on fastballs in succession, and then the Astros responded with five runs in the fifth. This is an amazing statistic. Uh, Christian Javier, uh, in his last six starts, including the regular season, 5-0, 0-0 ERA, .52 whip, 43 strikeouts, 11 walks, 7 hits, and 34 and a third scoreless innings. Uh, offensively, in the fifth inning, the Astros have been held scoreless in 16 consecutive innings. Chas McCormick, Altuve, and Jeremy Pena opened the frame with singles. Chasing Aaron Nola, who scattered set 7 hits in a 67-pitch effort. Jose Alvarado then drilled Jordan Alvarez in the rear end with his first pitch. 99.2-mile-per-hour sinker, bringing in the first run. Um, and then from there, down 0-2 in the count. Alex Bregman sliced the fastball to right. Two scored there. Kyle Tucker sack fly made it 4-0 with Gurry, uh, Bregman advancing the third. Guriel single to the left side. 5-0. That was all the offense in the game there. Um, let me ask you this. Again, I know Nola, the base is loaded at 67 pitches. This, to me, though, Nola was one of the guys who got you there. He was the co-ace with Wheeler. In my mind, there were sh- this was shades of Booney pulling Garrett Cole for Lutrevino. Obviously not apples to apples because Alvarado lefty on lefty and was the most dominant reliever they had down the stretch. But what do you make of this? Would you have let Nola get out of this jam a little bit or 67 pitches? 67 you have the pitches. platoon matchup. No, it no, just no. didn't work out. You set, You keep your best guy out there. Ride your best guy. Just don't overthink it. It's, uh, it's, it's so obvious to me that Nola should have stayed there. You just have – he's your ace. He's as big a reason as anyone you're in the World Series. Uh, you're going – like you said, next year they're going as far as Nola takes you. And like Thompson overthought it. He played the numbers, didn't play the game. I just – and even watching that, you knew as soon as he hit Alvarez, okay, this game's over. They're screwed. Because yeah. you knew Bre- at least one of Bregman or Gurria, all those guys who have been there, you knew someone was going to get the big hood. Yeah, I mean, and like you know, the way the way that Javier was pitching, one run was going to kill you. Nineteenth combined no hitter in NL or AL history. Uh, before Wednesday, eighteen combined no hitters at sixty-two different pitchers. Javier and Presley are the first pitchers to be part of two combined no nos in a career, let alone one season. Uh, Javier's outing was one of ten individual no hit bids in World Series history of at least six innings. First since Jerry Kuzman of the Miracle Mets in Game Two of the '69 series. Javier is the only one of those pitchers to be removed from the game before either losing the bid or completing it. Uh, he allowed one run the whole postseason, 44 batters, 2 for 39, 51 batting average against all postseason. Um, a Citizens, Citizens Bank Park has now hosted two of the three postseason no-hitters. Um, and to make matters even more intriguing, there's just been one regular season no-hitter at the ballpark. Two postseason, one regular season. And it was the second time the Phillies were no-hit in 2022. Also a combined no-hitter. It was against the Mets. Aaron Nola was also the opposing pitcher in that game. The combined no-hitters, like they just... Nola became the third pitcher to start multiple games where his team was no-hit in the season, joining Zach Plesek uh, and Jim Perry. I agree with you. I, I'm going to finish your thought. I, I wouldn't even say this was a, a no-hitter. I, I almost described these games as, oh, it wasn't that the Astros threw a no-hitter. It was, 
What happened in Game Four? The Phillies didn't get a hit. It's like I think they're so. It's as a big baseball fan watching anyone to try and go for the no hitter. You feel it. In There's your nothing it's, like it. No it, matter where I am, I'm turning the channel on. It's a special thing. And this didn't have it. The combined, it's, even in it's the World one Series, of those where it, deep in the game, you're like, oh, this team doesn't have another hit. Maybe if it was like one nothing, I would have felt more strongly. But the fact that it was five nothing and it was a combined no hitter, it's just. All right, it's cool. I think Kyle Schwarber said it best. They're like, how do you feel about it? He goes, I don't give a shit. Like, I guess we'll be in the record books, but we lost. you got to have a short memory regardless. A loss is a loss, and you head in the game five. I mean, the other takeaway is whether or not Verlander comes back, if you're Houston and you're rolling out Fromber and Javier next year as your one-two, I'd be very okay with that. I'm throwing money on Bavada next year as soon as the season starts for Christian Javier to win the Cy Young. I think at this point, it'll be fully settled that he'll be in the rotation. He's not going to be going back and forth like he was this year. Every time I've watched this guy pitch, he's done nothing but dominate. And I'm taking Frommer. That Yeah. I, and again, I don't think Verlander leaves in all likelihood. But to your point, you still have Fromber. You're still going to have Fromber, Javier, uh, fully healthy McCullers, Urquidy. I think that, I mean, again, I think they have Odorizzi for, or do they trade Odorizzi? They traded or traded for Odor, is he? Traded him to Atlanta. Yes. For Will Smith. There'll be players in free agency for somebody if they don't bring Verlander back. Uh, they're going to be just fine. One more note on the no-hitter. Amazingly enough, uh, the last team to get no-hit in the postseason was the Reds in 2010 by Roy Holiday. The opposing manager, Dusty Baker. I'm shocked he wasn't at the Larson one also. It's one of the only historical moments Dusty's not a part of. Uh, Phillies became the first team in ALNL history to hit five home runs in one game and then be no hit in the next. Uh, and that's regular season and postseason. Uh, which is just a game five, pivotal game, the last game in Philadelphia, 2-2 in the series. Um, and I don't think it's an overstatement to say that Pennsylvania native Chaz McCormick against his hometown team made, given the circumstances, one of the best catches I've ever seen. Go on. I thought maybe you were going to cue in there. Uh, it was the ninth inning. There's one out. JT Realmuto rips a ball, um, and he get, he basically goes up, makes the catch, makes a diving catch up at the wall, comes down with the ball. It would have been at a minimum a double. It could have been a triple. Um, and him and Trey Mancini in the eighth and ninth, they flashed the letter leather and what was ultimately a tension-filled 3-2 win by the Astros over the Phillies uh, in Game 5 of this series. The 8th inning, Trey Mancini, who hadn't played defense since October 4th, um, he calmly fielded a one-hopper, uh, reached down to touch first base to retire Kyle Schwarber, who spiked his helmet in disbelief. Justin Verlander finally got his first World Series win with five gritty innings. Jeremy Pena hit a home run. Ryan Presley had a five-out save. There were plenty of heroes there, um, but Mancini and McCormick are right on top of the list. The Verlander World Series thing is bizarre. We touched on it last week. He, he, well, the monkey's off the back on some level. I mean, he has two rings, so it's not going to matter. But Seventh inning, Mancini pitch hit for the injured Yuli Gurriel and struck out swinging. 0 for 18 in the postseason. Uh, but again, with the Astros holding a 3-2 lead in the eighth, the runners on first and third with two outs. Schwarber scorches a liner down first. Uh, Mancini was sca- was positioned by Joe Espada to guard the line moments earlier. He found the ball in his glove on a short hop. Momentum carried him in the foul territory. He stepped in the bag, and the threat was over. Um, and then again, McCormick. Real Muto ripped the ball to the wall, 387 feet, McCor- uh, 102.4 mile power off the bat. Uh, McCormick covered 92 feet to track it down, made the catch. Astros end up holding on to win 3-2. I mean, Chaz McCormick, 
I know he's a hometown guy, but is he one of the new public enemies in Pennsylvania, even though he's from there? If that ball yeah. falls, uh, the Phillies win this game, and then who knows? Yeah, no, Philly will never let him let that one down. You, uh, He should try and look for a new hometown. So let's talk about Justin Verlander. You know, he got the rookie treatment after the game. They dumped him in a laundry cart and rolled him through the visiting clubhouse for a beer-soaked shower. Uh, he finally has that elusive World Series victory, the first of his career. One run, four hits, five strong innings. Walked four, struck out six, 94 pitches. Uh, it was the first time he exited a World Series game with his team leading. He was 0-6 with a 6.07 ERA and eight previous starts on the game's biggest stage. Which is a quick aside, it's amazing how much people talk about Kershaw's postseason struggles. But prior to this World Series, I feel like we never heard it with Verlander at all. And I know part of that is because he's been so dominant in the other rounds. And he also had the ring. But he, uh, he got the ring in 17. That was a huge part of it. Yeah. Even started He's also been to... I mean, he took Detroit to two. Yeah, he's been to... This what? He's this been to fourth. Four. Evening started poorly for Verlander. Kyle Schwarber slugged the second pitch. Kershaw, to his credit, has been to three. Yeah. Schwarber slugged the second pitch of Verlander's night in the right field seat. Okay, I do one more thing on Kershaw. Go ahead. There's also things with Kershaw. Like, I can vividly picture him in the dugout after that. I want to say Howie Kendrick homer off him. He gave up a terrible home run to the Nationals one year. Like, I think it was – he's just there, – there are moments when he's just been terrible in must-win. Like, Kershaw, he unfortunately deserves the reputation. Fair enough. So, yeah, Verlander was gritty in this game. Schwarber ties it up to lead off the game for the Phillies 1-1. Philly threaded in the second, loading the bases on Segura's two-out single and back-to-back walks. Uh, Martin Maldonado calms Verlander down, though, uh, and he recovered to pin the bases loaded, striking out Reese Hoskins, swinging on a slider. Uh, he induced Bryson Scott to fly out with two men on, ending the third. Uh, and he later won a 10-pitch battle against Nick Castellanos in a fifth to survive Bryce Harper's two-out double. Look, sometimes these aces, they don't have their best stuff, but this is the mark of a true ace. When you don't have it, you battle through, you give the gritty performance, and you win the game. Uh, and then Jeremy Pena, you're going to hear more about him in about five minutes. First rookie shortstop, the homer in the World Series with a go-ahead blast in the Astro 3-2 victory. Um, they grabbed the lead on his fourth inning homer. He hit a Noah Syndergaard curveball into the left field seat. This kid's special. That's all I'm going to say. We're going to talk more about Pena shortly because he got some... Uh, Big hardware and join the history books. But as much as Carlos Correa struck fear into me as a Yankee fan year after year after year, I might be more scared of Peña already. Yeah, I mean, he didn't make the Rookie of the Year finalist. but uh, which, which, again, I think is more of a credit to. This is, I said this to you earlier. I think this is going to be a historic AL rookie crop between Julio, Adley, Peña, I'll throw Stephen Kwan in there just because I think he's a beast. But you're talking about three guys who I think are going to be phases of their franchise for years to come. Yeah, and Payne has taken this trade every time. Incredible run for Payne. So let's talk game six. Um, when Jordan Alvarez connected on a Jose Alvarado Cinco on the bottom of the sixth inning Saturday, the sound was finally unleashed. It was the mighty roar of celebration, uh, and it helped cap off the Phillies' 4-1 loss, the Astros' 4-1 win in game six, World Series clincher, in Houston, under their own roof, uh, powered by Alvarez's game-changing 450-foot home run to dead center. Astros are world champions for the second time in six seasons. And this kind of puts to bed, in my mind, all the grievances of the past. The 2017 trash cans, you know, they had the host of 19 Nationals and 21 Braves popping bottles on their home turf when they were the favorites in the series. Um, but now Dusty Baker's 25-season pursuit of a World Series championship as a manager is over. 
Dusty's a winner. There's Catharsis as the champagne flowed. Uh, and they became the first team to clinch the World Series in almost 10 years at home since the 2013 Red Sox. That's weird. Uh, and that was the longest drought in history, which is unbelievable. A um, couple highlights of this game. I mean, Kyle Schwarber... I just want to say, I mean, Schwar- Schwarber had a solo shot in the top of the sixth to give Philly a one nothing edge over off of Romero Valdez. If you're a Red Sox fan and you watch this World Series, you have to be thinking to yourself, how could we have not paid Schwarber $20 million a year? He shelled out for them all postseason last year. This guy's a leader. This guy is a winner. And he showed this postseason when the lights shine the brightest, just like he did with the Cubs. All he does is hit big shot after big shot. Great signing for the Phillies. Boston, that... You, you can't let that guy go. I'm going to actually say right now, Kyle Schwarber heading into next year is going to be my Bovada pick uh, to repeat and lead the National League in home runs. I'd probably take Harper. Harper on a revenge tour? My only concern with Harper is he is going to have to get out. He's going to have to get some sort of surgery this offseason. It's just what does that look like? Uh, the guy's been playing with a torn UCL for like six months. It's the only downside of this postseason run is you just kept putting off Harper's surgery. Which, of course, him and the team wouldn't you, trade that for anything. No, nah, I... Yeah, now Harper... I know this isn't this isn't the Harper podcast. Last one was. Good. Doing what he did with the torn UCL, that's awesome. Dude's a ga- He's a gamer. He has been since they called him up. Harper is finally Harper. Sixth inning, Jose Altuve hustled to beat out a double play. Jeremy Pena singled, and then Alvarez was due up. Uh, Zach Wheeler, again, he gets pulled with... I think it was at most 70 pitches. Uh, And he brings in Alvarado again to face Jordan Alvarez. Before I get to the Alvarez heroics, I mean, again, I get the lefty-on-lefty matchup, but somebody tweeted this and I thought it was perfect. It's not like Alvarado was Andrew Miller in 2016 where he was this multi-inning beast who could get everybody out. This guy was in AAA at one point this year for a reason. And Wheeler came out this game with an extra days of rest. The velocity was back. Wheeler looked like Wheeler. I just think you gotta ride your ace a little bit. Everything. I, I think see. Robbie Thompson managed these last couple games like Joe Girardi would have, and I don't mean that as a compliment. Everything I said about the Nola thing applies here. These are your guys. Trust your guys. And like Alvarado was. I, I, there's Alvarado doesn't strike fear in anyone. No offense, Alvarado. He's a great pitcher, but I would. I faced him a hundred times before Wheeler. So it's interesting, you know, when we talk about Jordan, the AL. DS was all about Jordan. Hits that home run off Robbie Ray in Game 1 against the Mariners. Uh, in Game 2, we had the game-winning hit as well. And then we really haven't talked about Jordan the past three weeks since. Uh, you know, it's kind of just been, when is Jordan and Altuve going to wake up? He tinkered in the cage. He moved his hands um, a little bit closer to his body. Um, and then on a 2-1 count, Alvarado tried to hit, sneak a 98.9-mile-per-hour sinker past Alvarez. Um, and he... Absolutely crushed that ball to center field. I know it said it was 450 feet. That was a home run where your jaw drops and you stop what you're doing and you just go, holy shit, that was a big league home run. A no doubt video game like bomb. I think Alvarez's struggles were covered up by Altuve. I mean, Altuve was... Awful. That's a valid point. That People also like to hate on Altuve. People like Alvarez. Um, and then from there, they weren't done. Uh, Alex Bregman... Walked, he advanced second on a wild pitch. So Anthony Dominguez came in, he gave up an RBI single to Christian Vasquez to make it 4-1. And two innings later, Ryan Presley had a um, put a proper stamp on the party with the scoreless ninth. Ryan Presley, I want to give him some love real quick. I think quick. he should have been the MVP. Uh, look, the Astros, to their credit, there were three distinct MVPs. 
Um, Presley didn't give up a run all postseason. Had the five-out save. Had the save to end the World Series here. I mean, Fromber, Part of a no-hitter. Framber Valdez, I mean, again, last year he was terrible in the World Series. This year, one run, two hits, two walks, nine strikeouts, and six innings. He went 2-0 and in the Fall Classic to join Jose Urquidy as the only Houston pitchers to win multiple World Series games. 3-0, and 1-4-4 ERA, and four postseason starts. And then, again, this is why I would have given it to him. 2-0, 1-4-6 ERA, .89 whip, and two World Series wins. 12 and two-thirds innings in the World Series. Two runs, six hits, five walks, 18 strikeouts. And the Phillies never had a runner uh, advance to third base until Kyle Schwarber led off the sixth inning with the solo home run to right. Um, he was pulled after 93 pitches. I'm a firm believer, and I have no problem with who they gave the MVP to, and we'll get to that in one second. It's why I think David Price should have won it over Steve Pierce in 2018. If you're a starting pitcher and your team wins four games to win the World Series and you started two of them, it's hard for me not to give the MVP. But I agree. But regardless, but if I- you didn't know Framber Valdez before, you sure as shit do now because holy crap was this guy unbelievable all postseason. And, and it just caps off an incredible year altogether. I, look, there's a reason I'm going to take him. Whatever Bavada has him at for Cy Young next year, I'll take it. He, the way he pitched, he's a pitcher that, like, I guess he's buried behind Verlander in the rotation a bit, but when he, that guy goes out, your worst outcome is a quality start. You're getting six in, you, he'll go deep into games, and he'll give, you, he'll give you a chance to win every time he's out with no, just, there's no exception, no qualifiers. Yep, he's an absolute gamer. Let's talk about the World Series MVP, though, and shout out to our friends, uh, Matt Olenski, who got him at plus 1,700 to win the MVP before the World Series. Didn't Olenski get Solaire last year also? Yeah, he's very good at picking World Series MVPs. Uh, the 25-year-old shortstop, after cranking out two hits and scoring a run in the clincher, was awarded the Worley Mays World Series MVP award presented by Chevy. He's the first postseason rookie, first rookie postseason player to claim it. Quick aside, new Worley Mays dog on HBO Max. Everyone should check it out. We'll be checking it out tomorrow, tonight's midterm night. Um, Go vote. He's the son of Major League second baseman Geronimo Pena, and he looked remarkably comfortable on the World Series stage. Again, this is why I have no problem with Pena. 10 for 25, he hit 400. Homer, three RBIs, great D at short. Uh, his Game 5 homer of Noah Syndergaard, as we said, was the first World Series home run by a rookie shortstop. Single in Game 6 set up the Jordan Alvarez home run. He was also ALCS MVP, ninth player in the second rookie to be named LCS and World Series MVP in the same postseason. Guy's a stud. Whoever was the coach at University of Maine, you did something right. Yeah, the University of Maine. Good Not enough. something we associate with sports very often. Or anything, really. But we're going to give him some love here. Let's go Bears? And we talked about the Astros pitching, how dominant they've been all postseason. But to paint a picture of how good the bullpen was, among the 94 teams that saw their bullpens log 35 or more innings in a single postseason, the Astros had the lowest ERA with just five earned runs over 54 and a third innings, the lowest opponent's batting average, the lowest opponent's on base percentage, the lowest opponent's slugging percentage, the lowest whip, and their bullpen is the first to throw 40 innings in a single postseason and post a sub-1 ERA. This, to me, is why you got to pick them to repeat. I mean, obviously the core is going to be there, but assuming Verlander's back... You know, it's like, again, they, they they didn't have Michael Brandley, who's the definition of a professional hitter, and nobody even seemed to remember that. And the whole thing is going to be And bad. I think Fromber's getting better. I think Javier gets better. I Verlander, I, he's, he will still be Justin Verlander, but he had a historic year. This and you also even saw it. They have some pitchers who pitched out of the bullpen, the young prospects. Hunter Brown was good down the stretch. I mean, Forrest Whitley, once upon a time, was the number one prospect in baseball as a pitcher. 
the system just keeps turning, and that's a scary part. It's why they are, at least in the American League, the standard of all baseball teams. They're the standard of all baseball teams. Maybe you make the argument for the Dodgers, but the Astros get it done at the end of the day. The Dodgers don't. The Astros have been to four in the last six. Dodgers have not. Maybe they've been to three in the last six. No, numbers don't lie. They have been to three in the last six. All right, let's but talk. But the Dodgers about lose in embarrassing fashions. The Astros lose in World Series. I'm going to talk about everyone's favorite son, Dusty Baker. When they asked him what they're going to do after the game, he said, party. When they asked him, the parade, are you going to come back? He said, absolutely, we're going to win another. It sounds like him and James Click, the GM, will be back. With this title, Baker won 40 years between World Series wins, the most years between any two consecutive World Series ones as a player uh, or a manager. Uh, Baker now has two titles spanning 41 years apart. No individual in baseball history has had his title winnings raised, reach across that many trips around the sun. Prior was Casey Stangle. Uh, he's the seventh individual to win the World Series as both a player and a manager. Um, as NLC, He's a former NLCS MVP. He's now the only individual to win a postseason MVP award and a World Series as a winner as a manager. 73 years old, oldest manager to reach the four fall classic. Uh, he's now the oldest manager in any of the big four sports to win a championship. Uh, that's MLB, NBA, NFL, NHL. Uh, and he's been around so long that when he made his managerial debut in April 93, the Giants, uh, the opposing team's leadoff, the Giants were playing the Cardinals, and the opposing team's leadoff hitter was Geronimo Pena, Jeremy Pena's father. Uh, Baker's managed 3,384 regular season games, the 10th most of all time, which is the most at any time of a manager's first title. I guess the only question that remains now is, what caps Dusty wearing in Cooperstown? I don't think he's going to wear one. If it was Eddie, it's the Astros. It's where he won the ring. They should almost give him, just put like the MLB logo on him. Because he's an ambassador of baseball. Yeah, he is. I know that sounds like such a dumb, cliche thing for me to say, but that's how I feel. He's as beloved of a figure as there is in baseball. He really, I, he was the Astros, their PR team hiring him. Brilliant move. It's the only thing they've done right the past couple years. And win baseball games. All right, I got some World Series tweets of the week. Uh, shout out to Mattress Mac. I don't like him. The guy won $75 million on the Astros, including the single biggest one-bet payout in sports bets history. He put $3 million on the Astros at plus 1000 to win the World Series. Took in $30 million. Good bet. Flew to Caesars right after. Also, shout out to the better BetMGM, who in April put $50 on the Astros to beat the Phillies in the World Series. Uh, that paid out $125,000. We should have done that. Yep. This is a crazy statistical anomaly. Uh, the World Series in Philadelphia has been played four, or sorry, the last four times that the World Series has been played in Philadelphia. Game three has been delayed by rain every single time. Neat. Fun quirk. Philly is the first city in sports history to lose two championships in one day. MLS Philadelphia Union lost in heartbreaking fashion in PKs. Houston's a 12th team in the wild card era to have the best record in the league and win the World Series. They're the first franchise with a 620 winning percentage and multiple titles in a six-year span since the 53-58 to Yankees. And it's talk like that that make me think they are a dynasty. Jordan, this postseason, became the first player in postseason history with multiple go-ahead home runs in the sixth inning or later with his team trailing in a career that's why people, with three. That's why people didn't give him a hard time. Harper, Hoskins, Schwarber are the first teammates ever to have six-plus home runs in a single postseason. Altuve uh, set the record for most plate appearances in a single postseason with zero RBIs with 60. Doesn't matter. 
He won. See, I mean, I'll do the Bovada over-under I like to do for you. 0.5 Hall of Fame bouts for Jose Altuve. It'll be over. Or 1.5. You know, it depends what his career finishes with because he's kind of evolved. I think he's still at 300 this year, but he's more of a power hitter than that contact guy we saw. Um, so I think it just depends on what the hit total is. I know he's got the three batting titles, got the MVP, he's got two rings. He has the Hall of Fame resume. I think, if it's, I think if it's 3,000, he's a no-doubt first ballot Hall of Famer. Otherwise, I think he takes the similar route of uh, Carlos Beltran, where I think everyone thinks you should get in, but they'll punish him for a year, and then it's like the Roberto Alomar treatment. It'll be – yeah, I, I think Alomar is a good comp for it. But he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer resume. Oh, 100%. Schwarber has three home runs in the World Series uh, at NLCS, first player – uh, with three home runs in the World Series and LCS in the same postseason. Frommer is the 15th pitcher ever to have multiple games with eight-plus strikeouts in the World Series. Him and Koufax are the only lefties to strike out five consecutive batters in the World Series. Phillies are the only team since 1901 to have zero-hits, zero 14-plus strikeouts, and two-plus stolen bases in a game. Ranger Suarez had the second scoreless start of any length uh, in Phillies World Series history, joining Kurt Schilling in 93. Justin Verlander's 10th home run in the World Series broke a tie. Home run allowed. Home run allowed. Broke a tie with Catfish Hunter for the most in the history of uh, the World Series. In Game 5, Bryce Harper recorded his 13th extra base hit of the postseason with a double. It's the same number Mike Schmidt collected in 36 postseason games with, uh, with Philly. It's the first play in MLB history with 20 hits, 6 home runs, and 6 doubles in a single postseason. Jeremy Payne has won a Gold Glove, LCS MVP, and, no World Series, and a World Series MVP. No other position player has won those in their entire career. He did it as a rookie and is not a rookie of the year finalist. That's crazy that no one else has done that. And last but certainly not least, for all you World Se- or all you Always Sunnies fans out here, Mack and Chase Utley finally had a catch. Chase Utley and Jimmy Rollins threw out first pitches to Rob McElhaney and Miles Teller. Uh, and that's a quartet that I would do absolutely anything to party with. I like that in your notes it says Mack and Chase had a catch. Oh, I meant Mac and Charlie. I don't want to have a catch with my brother. I'd way rather have it. It was Mac and Chase. Oh, Mac and Chase. You see, you confused me. My notes were right. But you're Mac and Chase. That's you and your brother. Third base. <laughs> Congrats to the Astros. And again, I'll go on the record. I said it last week. Now that they won this ring in dominating fashion, I'm done with the trash can talk. This is the standard bear. Good for you. I'm a big boy. They're still, uh, the Bills are still America's team. Hopefully Josh Allen's injury isn't too serious. Moving to managerial news, the White Sox managerial search has reached its conclusion. Uh, they're set to hire a longtime division foe, Ray, uh, Royals bench coach Pedro Griffel. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you saw this. Charlie Montoyo they brought in as a bench coach. So them as a duo, I like a lot. Uh, Ethan Katz will remain as pitching coach. Griffel turned 53 earlier this month, uh, or will turn 53 later this month. He's been with the Royals organization since 2013 and has served as a quality control coach, catching coach, and bench coach along the way. He also spent extensive time in the Mariners organization, spending three seasons as a minor league manager before being named the club's coordinator of minor league uh, instructors and eventually director of minor league operations. Prior to being a coach, he had a nine-year playing career. I was selected by the Twins in 91, spent five seasons as a catcher in the Twin system, four in the Mets system, reached AAA with both clubs but never uh, never reached the majors following the 99 season. It'll be his first managerial gig in the majors, but he's long been seen as a future manager. Interview with the Marlins this offseason um, with the Tigers in 2020, Giants 2019, Orioles in 2018. Uh, he was on the Royals coaching staff for the World Series appearances in 2014 and 15. 
Um, skeptics of the hiring can again point to the fact that he was twice passed over uh, as a managerial candidate by the Royals themselves. But the first time, it seemed like Mike Matheny was the clear heir apparent after Nedios retired. And this offseason, it seemed like the Royals just wanted a fresh voice. Um, and again, the White Sox also interviewed Carlos Mendoza, Joe Espada, and Ozzie Guillen. Griffin will instead get his long-awaited first opportunity. I don't know a lot about this guy, and I think for the White Sox, that's the best way I could describe somebody. Um, they went all in with La Russa. It was not a, a good fit from the get-go. But you saw... Um, I'm drawing a total blank. Who was the guy that got fired before him? Renteria. Rick Renteria. You've seen what this roster, what a baseball lifer who just kind of coaches and does his thing can do. If anything, look, some people think it's weird the Royals passed him over. I like hiring a guy who's within the division. It means he's familiar with your foes and he's familiar with your own team on some level too. I don't really have enough of an opinion and know enough about this guy, but... I do like the fact that they didn't go out and just hire a retreat candidate for the sake of Jerry Reinsdorf making noise. And look, we'll see. We'll give this guy a chance. I went through earlier the White Sox roster. This team's still that, ready to win. I, that's why I don't like it. I, this team is a World Series caliber roster. Uh, you're, I mean, they were your long shot World Series pick. They were just my World Series. I just, I don't like it. You with that type of roster, I want the established guy, not a retread, not Brad Osmus, but who? I mean. Like, you don't like Girardi, but even Girardi, you asked World Series experience. I look a guy. I would have given a Girardi. Who I'm surprised hasn't gotten more looks than I would have liked. And again, maybe I'm banging the drum for him for no reason. You think Mike Sosha just doesn't want to manage anymore? I think Mike Sosha doesn't want to manage anymore. But he would be. I think he did the Olympics, mm-hmm. and I. It's a commitment. When you're old, you really got to be in it. No, I get it. Regardless, congratulations to Griffel. Um, and we have our first hot stove news. And unsurprisingly, it's Steve Cohen and the Mets. Um, Edwin Diaz coming off of this historically great year. Had he hit free agency, what would your Bavada over-under have been uh, for his contract? 90. 90. So he blew by that. Uh, historic deal with the Mets. Five-year, $102 million contract. Richest deal ever for a reliever. Opt-out after the 2025 season. $20 million team option for 2028 and a full no trade clause. Uh, and it surpasses a Roldis Chapman's five-year, $86 million pact with the Yankees for the largest as a reliever. Uh, Edwin's career with the Mets has been up and down. You know, he was part of that infamous trade uh, that Brody Van Wagenen made to get him and Robinson Cano in December 2018. And he had a terrible season. He blew seven saves, lost seven games, 5.59 ERA. 2020 to 2021, bounce back. Uh, but this year, historic year at closer, 17.1 Ks per nine, second highest in ALNL history amongst pitchers was at least 30 innings. Uh, he became a city field phenomenon with Narco blasting uh, the trumpets. He's 28 years old, two-time All-Star, 205 saves in seven seasons, uh, three with the Mariners, four with the Mets, 293 ERA. This year at 30-plus saves, ERA at two, was him and Emmanuel Class overwhelmingly the most dominant relief pitchers in baseball. You know, again, he's 28 years old, so a five-year deal. I don't have an, I don't really have a problem with the length, but we mentioned a role this Chapman's contract, and we saw as Yankee fans how much we got burned by that. I know Steve Cohen has an unlimited checkbook, and he doesn't care how much money he's going to spend. But this is just a lot. $21 million used to be what gets you the front-of-the-line ace starter that's going to anchor your team. It was what CeCe got. Now it gets you relief pitcher. And again, Edwin was great this year, but we're not far that far removed from 2019 where he blew – Nine games and had a five five nine ERA. What are your thoughts of the signing? I I get it and I respect Steve Cohen for flexing the financial muscles early, but uh, to me this could be a disaster. 
You pay any amount of money to have the ninth inning locked up. If you're positive you're getting 2022 Edwin Diaz, this contract is probably a steal. Are you positive you think that that's going to be the case? No. With the guy, I wouldn't have given this much. The years thing is where you run into trouble because you pay the guy, you're going to have to play the guy, even with unlimited checkbooks. And you see it like Chapman's the, Chapman's the cautionary tale for all these. I wouldn't have done it, but I understand it. And if you have a short window, which I, maybe they do, maybe they don't, we'll see what the Grom ends up doing. But it's, it's a move they had to make, and Steve paid the price only he could pay. So here's a question that I want to ask you. You know, sort of going hand in hand for this. What do you think, if anything, how does this affect the starting pitching market? Because again, I said twenty one million used to get your front of the line starter. If Edwin Diaz is getting twenty one million to pitch the ninth, what does Cy Young candidate Carlos Rodon get? What does Justin Verlander get? Or or even if you want to do trickle down and get rid of the top names, what is like a Jamison Tyone average starter get. I think it's an isolated thing. Okay. With Steve. I think this is Steve, just the Mets re-signing their guy. Steve's operating on a different plane. It does make some... If you're DeGrom, though, you say, oh, you're giving him 20? I deserve 50. Or at least 40. Well, you're giving Scherzer 40. Giving Scherzer, I think, 43? Yeah. God, the Mets are going to be fascinating. They're going to be expensive. And it's amazing. We're hearing reports that Brandon Nemo might get five for 120. Not from the Mets. <laughs> That's we'll talk about it if it happens. Rockies are gonna Rocky. Other contract news: Carlos Rodon opted out. Tim Anderson had his option picked up. Chris Bassett opted out of his mutual option. Xander Bogarts, Carlos Correa opted out. Jerks of Profar uh, opted out. Phillies declined uh, Juan Segura's option. Again, next week we'll have a full offseason preview. Uh, but this is just what has gone on so far. I want to give a big shout-out because this actually – I have a personal connection to this next award winner. Um, and that's Justin Turner winning the Roberto Clemente Award. Um, and again, this was his fifth career nomination for MLB's most prestigious individual award. It's named after Roberto Clemente, who needs no description, no explanation there. The honor is annually given to a player who best represents the game of baseball through extraordinary character, community involvement, philanthropy, and positive contributions both on and off the field. It's determined by the commissioner, Clemente's children, former players, journalists, and fans. Uh, Turner founded the Justin Foundation, Justin Turner Foundation in 2016 with his wife, Courtney. Mission support homeless veterans, children, and families battling life, altering diseases and illnesses, as well as youth baseball organizations. Um, in 2021, the Dream Center renamed its food bank to the Justin, Turn- Justin and Courtney Turner Food Bank, and it supplies food to more than 60 food banks in the Los Angeles area. He also holds an annual golf tournament um, for the Dream Center's veterans pro- programs last year that raised 650 grand. Frequently visits patients at UCLA Mattel's Children's Hospital and Cedar sinai Medical Hospital. Where I want to give Justin Turner some love and say this is deserving. When I was in college at UCLA, I ran a mentorship program uh, that partnered with the Volunteers of America. And we worked with underserved children in the North Hollywood area. Big brother, little sister type program. Um, and Courtney Turner, when she was a student at UCLA, was a part of the program. And somebody knew I was a big baseball fan. They let me know that information. I, you know, Courtney's much older than I am. Uh, and somehow it, a picture was sent to me where Justin Turner was involved to the, with the program to the point that he actually went to uh, Courtney's mentee's quinceanera. It's a lot of you know, 13, 14-year-old kids and Justin Turner. 15. 15. That makes sense. Thank you. Where I come into play here is I was fortunate enough in college for UCLA Radio um, to one day get field passes. Or no, it wasn't through UCLA. No. Tori LaBelle, the manager of the Diamondbacks, uh, we reached out, said we'd love to interview him for UCLA Radio. He's a UCLA alumni. We got out on the field, and it was great. 
Justin Turner's taking ground balls. Said to a friend of the show, Sam, who was with me, I said, screw it. I'm going to talk to Turner, shoot my shot. And as soon as I brought up mentorship, uh, Turner immediately said, what can I do to help? What can I do? And to his credit, he on the spot uh, for our end of the year video, recorded a video to the kids saying, what's up? Wishing them well. Uh, and that to me, I've always liked Justin Turner because... Again, when you look at his career arc, I, I think it's hard not to support him. His you career know, arc's incredible. It's like the Mets cut him, and then he became a guy for the Dodgers, the leader of a mini dynasty, and probably a guy as crazy as it sounds that if he plays another year or two, I think his number gets retired in Los Angeles. I don't know what it's like over there. He would be a Monument Park plat guy for the Yankees. But, you know, credit to him, and I just want to say a well-deserved award for Justin Turner. One yes, of the good guys. well-deserved. Transitioning to the Asian market, Cody Sanga, one of the best pitchers in the NPB, filed for international free agency. His source told John Morosi Monday. Uh, Sanga will turn 30 in January. 259 ERA over more than 1,000 innings pitched across 11 seasons uh, for the SoftBank Hawks. Throws one on one with a nasty splitter. Struck out 1,252 batters during his time in Japan. 10.3 Ks per nine. This season, 159 strikeouts, 50 walks, and 148 innings. 11 6, 159 ERA. He only allowed 104 hits and seven home runs. Uh, my question for you is, again, this guy's going to be 30, so it's not a young buck like Otani. Who do you think is going to be in on the next Asian sensation hitting the market? Uh, and what does his contract look like in your opinion? Cubs. Wow. Yeah. I mean, they need another front of the rotation arm for sure. Center of the Cubs. They were in. Uh, they got Suzuki last year. They were in big on Darvish when he was posted. Uh, and then got Darvish. And then eventually got Darvish. I would say, I don't know, he's 30. What is that, like a 5 for 50? These contracts are weird. Oh, I'm hearing, I mean, I've heard 20 plus per year. Oh, gee, I have no idea that. Yeah, I think it'll be anywhere between 14 and 20. But look, this is a guy I wouldn't mind the Yankees being in on. Um, but we'll see what happens there. Uh, let's talk, you want to do award finalists first or various award winners? Finalists. You don't want to do miscellaneous awards and then end with the finalists in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, it's almost it's almost time for me to focus on Jeopardy and split my attentions. All right, I'll knock this out quick. Don't worry. Um, let's do the Players' Choice Award winners real quick. Again, the players vote on this. Judge Player of the Year and Outstanding American League Player. Francisco Lindor, the Marvin Miller Man of the Year. Steve Rogers, Kurt Flood Award for an Astounding Alumni uh, who dedicated Flood's devotion to the Players Association. Goldschmidt, NL Outstanding Player. Sandy, NL Outstanding Pitcher. Strider, NL Outstanding Rookie. Cunha, NL Comeback Player. Verlander, AL Outstanding Pitcher and, co and Comeback Player. Julio, Outstanding Rookie. Uh, on the Gold Glove side of things, Real Muto, a catcher in the National League. Uh, Christian Walker, first base for the D-back. Christian Walker might be one of the more underrated players in baseball. Gold Glove, 36 home runs. Most people probably don't know who he is. He's like doing a good Goldschmidt impression. You could do a whole lot worse than that. Yeah. Brendan Rodgers for the Rockies at second. Dan's being short, boosting his value there. Uh, Arenado tied each year for the most consecutive gold gloves to bring a career. Mike Schmidt, it was his 10th, ties him for the second most gold gloves by a third baseman in Major League history. My question is right now, if Nolan Arenado retired today, is he a Hall of Famer? Yes. I think yes as well. I think so. Uh, in the outfield, Ian Happ won in left. Trent Grisham in center. Mookie in right, uh, sixth of his career for him. Pitcher, Max Fried. You got some love. Love that. Uh, Brendan Donovan won the first utility award. I hate the utility thing. Good for him, I guess. Uh, Yankees got some love in the American League. We don't have that a lot. Jose Trevino, a catcher. Vlad Jr. at first is hilarious. 
Good for him. Uh, yeah, that's all I could say. Good for him. Andre Semenis at second. Jeremy Payne at short. Ramon Urias at third. Quan, Miles Straw, Kyle Tucker across the outfield. Kyle Tucker might be the most underrated superstar this side of Jose Ramirez. I mean, he's not on Jose Ramirez's level. Not yet, but what does but, that guy yeah. not do well? I know, he had two home runs in the first World Series game. Bieber, pitcher, DJ, utility player. Again, I hate the utility. I mean, DJ started 30 games at every position this year. Uh, or, sorry, first, second, and third this year. But he played 125 games. I think even Yankee fans would tell you, watching DJ this year, this was DJ's worst year defensively as a Yankee. Uh, DJ's, DJ may be old. So quick team news. Uh, Yankees, Rizzo opting out. Yankees are going to give him a qualifying offer. Severino's $15 million option picked up. No-brainer there. Um, I think I mentioned this the other day in passing, but the Cardinals actually went out and hired Matt Holliday as their new bench coach. I love it. I love, love Matt Holliday. Great hire. Great. You ever look at Matt Holliday's career numbers? No. Really good career. Like, he's a guy who was probably one or two, like, above average years away from at least Hall of Fame conversation. Dude, if you want to watch Jeopardy, put the closed captioning on. You can multitask here. I don't need it. I don't need the closed captioning. What, do you lip read? It's Jeopardy. They put the clues on TV. Yeah, but you still need to hear the answers. Oh, yeah. Oh, Nickelback. All right, focus for five more minutes. Uh, award finalist. Some of these are heavy, heavy Bavada favorites. Um, although there's going to be conversation, um, MVP in the AL, Judge, Otani, Jordan, Goldschmidt, Arnato, Machado. I think we both think Judge and Goldschmidt. Any snubs here, you think, for the top three voting for the MVP? No. They got. They actually got these largely correct. Uh, I would have given... I think the... And let's go and let's pick our order. I think it's going to go Judge, Otani, Jordan, I think it's going to go Goldschmidt, Machado, Arnato. I agree. And then Freddie will be fourth. Cy Young in the American League, uh, Verlander, Cease, but no, I think Verlander is going to win it. Um, the only snub, and I don't even know if you can call it a snub, he's going to be running around for the MVP. I maybe would have honestly gone Otani over Manoa, but Manoa had a great year. Uh, NL, Sandy, Urias, Freed, I think that'll be the order. Only snub to me, I think it should have been Gallon over Freed. Nothing against Freed, but... Gallon, I think, Gallon overall had a better year strong. and ended the season unbelievable. Yeah, I, I agree. Rookie of the year in the AL, I think it'll be Julio, Adley, Quan in order. Um, and then in the NL, Spencer or Michael Harris third, Spencer Strider, Brendan Donovan. No snubs. I think Harris wins, but Strider winning the Players uh, Choice Award makes it interesting to me. I think that it'll be – I agree. I, I, I'd give it to Strider. He pitched those. He, he, he was a – so he he was more important. I'd give it success. to Strider, but I think Harris is going to win it. Uh, and last but not least, let's talk about the Contemporary Hall of Fame ballot, the Veterans ballot. We're going to get the results on this December fourth. Um, it's an eight-player ballot, and this ballot's pretty explosive. Let's start off by who was not on the ballot: Keith Hernandez, Joyet Evans, Lou Whitaker. The big three to me: Whitaker and Keith. I think should be in. Um, again, this is going to be a sixteen-person ballot. You need twelve votes to say yes. These are the same types of committee. It's Hall of Fame players, managers, and executives. So, again, it's not the baseball writers. Um, and here is the ballot. You have Fred McGriff, who I think we both agree if we each had a ballot. He's going to be unanimous. He should be unanimous on this. McGriff's going to get in. McGriff's going to get in. Then you got the 80s good guys who people liked who did everything well. The MVPs, Donnie and Dale Murphy. You got the racist and Kurt Schilling, Barry Bonds, Clemens, Palmero, the Royds guys, and Albert Bell, the corked bat, um, and just all-time dick. This is a ballot where genuinely I wouldn't vote in Battingly and Murphy, but the rest of the six guys I would have in the Hall of Fame. 
Um, if you had a four-person ballot, who's your four-person ballot here? Bonds, Clemens, McGriff. I'm going Bonds, Clemens, McGriff, Schilling. And then I really I don't like Schilling, but um, so I'd go Dale. Back-to-back MVPs are in. Who do you think does get in? We McGriff. both think McGriff. You think just McGriff? Yeah. I think Schilling is going to get in. I think Schilling, despite all his flaws, is somebody who is so universally respected by all of his teammates, all of his managers, because he was the ultimate competitor. Three thousand strikeouts. Would have won so many Cy Youngs if it wasn't for the fact that he pitched on the same staff as Randy Johnson, who's top five pitcher ever. Um, and based on the resume alone, uh, to me, you look at John Smoltz's career versus Kurt Schilling's career, I know Smoltz had the saves, but they're not that different. And you talk about the list of the best postseason pitchers ever, uh, Schilling's in the top five. I mean, Schilling... You can make the case for number one. You can make the case. You can make the case. And he's the Yankees' number one enemy. So I would go Schilling and McGriff. If it wasn't for Schilling, the Yank- Derek Jeter could have eight rings. I'm going Schilling and McGriff, and it'll be interesting to see how this vote shakes out. This is the shot for Bonds and Clemens. Yeah, if they don't get it here, I think they're not on a ballot again for another three, four years. And then I don't know, I don't know if they'll ever get the support. Yep. So the offseason has begun. The regular season is over. Any concluding thoughts for this week's podcast? Yeah, I hope everyone voted and stayed healthy. Mine will be awards come out next week. Be on the lookout for that. UCLA football ranked in front of Alabama. Never thought I'd say those words. That's pretty cool. Uh, Giants are back playing against the Texans. And I will give a movie and pop culture. And I'll do my last sports one. Congrats, Joey Logano. Congrats, Joey Logano. Uh, And I will give a movie recommendation. Uh, Armageddon time. A lot of crazy shit going on in the world. And I think it's the perfect movie to put that all in perspective. Made me cry, but maybe I'm just a baby. With Bryce Holden, my name is Chase Midorski. This is Underdog Sports Baseball Show. Have a great week.